Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation in the sixth chapter and just hang out there for a little bit. We're going to highlight several scriptures, of course, through the day. But I really want you to focus in there for just a few minutes, but I'm not going to leave you in Revelation chapter 6, I promise. Uh, It's one of the few places in Scripture you don't want to be left or arrive at. (laughs) So um, if you've got your spot there, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, all right. So, you know, we live in a society um, that has a great adverseness to being judged. Um, if, if anybody engages in anything uh, from, from eating a snicker bar to the most egregious sins, our tagline for everybody else around us is just mind your business and don't judge me, right? Um, because we, just, we don't want to feel, for whatever reason, the scrutiny or, or just feel like someone has cast uh, a judgmental glance towards us. And it is true As a Christian principle, we should not be a judgmental people. Understand that when the Word says that we shouldn't judge people, it's speaking expressly to you and I as believers in that we don't know the motives, the intents of someone's heart as they're engaging in a thing. We don't know why it is, what compels them, what has caused them to be, behave, or or do as they are doing. So we, we can't really make an apt judgment in that way, but what you and I can do as believers is that we can look into the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord on many subjects has already passed judgment. There, there are things that the Lord says to do. There are things that the Lord says to refrain from. There are things that we are encouraged in. There are things that we are admonished to stay away from. And those things have already been judged, but the fruit of our lives will exhibit for us whether we have a heart that is pursuant of the things of God or whether our heart is a heart of rebellion and a heart of hardness towards the things of God. So sometimes, and this is what I want you to understand, because sometimes as believers we can buy into that whole you don't judge me thing to the point that we let go of a spirit of discernment and we let go of a spirit of wisdom that looks into the word of the Lord and gauges what you see around you according to the truth of God's word. But, you know, as bad, as bad, as bad as it is that we don't want to be judged I don't want to leave you with this bad news this morning, but I do want to give you this promise. Every one of us are going to be judged. Judgment is inevitable. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we covered this last week. It is appointed once to a man to die and then the judgment. The question for you and I today is not whether or not we will be judged but when and how we're going to be judged. So the choice is ours today, and the choice is is ours as we move forward towards eternity. How are we going to be judged and when? Now, those who have received Christ as their Savior, you know, when we're talking about this end times 
thing and and when we begin to talk about the judgment sometimes we can become dismissive of ourselves and just let it completely go by the wayside as we start talking about things like judgment because as believers we know and we believe that Jesus is coming and we're going to miss a lot of the judgment that's going to be poured out on the earth but those of us who have received Christ as our Savior are going to be judged those who have died are already judged. We learn from, the, we learn from Jesus' uh, account of the rich man and Lazarus that there was a man named Lazarus who loved the Lord and served the Lord. And when he died, instantly he was carried into the splendor of paradise. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a, that's a moment of judgment in our lives. Those of us who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord, there's going to be a judgment. That is going to be the time and a moment in the twinkling of an eye, as we talked about last week, when the wheat and the tares are going to be separated. Jesus said to his disciples, you know, what do we need to do? Jesus didn't say this to his disciples. In a parable, Jesus was talking to his disciples about a man who had a field. And he'd sowed the wheat, and his enemy come along and sowed the tares in it. And the master, they asked the master, what do you want us to do? And he said, let the wheat and the tares grow up together. But in the day of the harvest, the wheat and the tares will be separated. And in the day that Jesus comes, the wheat and the tares are going to be separated. It's an instantaneous judgment that's there. You will be found in Christ and taken from this earth to be with him or you will be found out of Christ and left behind to face further judgment those who are who have passed on in Christ Jesus are going to be judged in that moment the dead in Christ are going to rise it's a moment of instantaneous judgment and then after this life is over after we have all gathered in heaven, all of, all of the saints of God have been gathered in heaven, the Apostle Paul lets us know, as Jesus does, Jesus says to you and I that every idle word that comes out of our mouth is going to be judged. You remember that? It's, it's red words in your Bible, meaning that Jesus himself uttered these things. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us how that's going to transpire. As a matter of fact, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In other words, you and I are going to stand before the judgment seat of our Lord and the fruit of our lives is going to be examined. Now that is not a fearful thing. Obviously there, there should be a fear, a reverential fear that you know we don't approach life flippantly understanding that one day we're going to have to stand before Christ. So we don't approach life haphazardly just saying, well, I'll, I'll get by. You know, I'll, it's okay, one less crown for me, I get it, it's okay, I'll just do what I want. No, we don't, we don't approach life that way, but we should not approach the judgment seat of Christ fearfully. Because this is not about deciding whether you are spending eternity with Jesus or whether you are spending an eternity outside of his presence or as we'll learn in a little bit in the lake of fire. This is not that moment that's already been decided. The lot of your eternity has already been cast in Christ Jesus. You made it, baby. Okay? 
So you're there, but we are going to stand before the Lord and we will give an account, every one of us, for the things that we've done in this life, whether good or bad. And, and these, are, these are all judgments that we can face, however, with confidence, knowing that it's not in our own merits that we stand. I, I'm not worried about the rapture of the church as, as, a, as a concern of whether or not I'm good enough. I'm not good enough. I won't be good enough. I will never be in a, in a lifetime of trying good enough to be prepared for the rapture. But my faith is not in my goodness, but it is in the glory of God and the finished work of Jesus for me. So we can stand confident in that judgment. These are, these are all judgments here, and we stand confident in the finished work of Christ that has been imputed to us justifying us and making us right in the sight of the Almighty. Not only will those who have received Christ be judged, but those who have denied Christ are going to be judged. We've already talked about some of, that, some of those phases of judgment in that, you know, that same story that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus. You will recall the, the, the end or the plight of the rich man. He lifted his eyes from a place of torment, the scripture says, and saw Lazarus far off in Abraham's bosom. There was, a, there was a gulf fixed between the two, and he was there in a place of torment and suffering. So that's an instantaneous judgment. It's already been decided. It's been determined in the word of the Lord. And at the rapture, the righteous are going to be taken. Those who, are, who have denied Christ are going to be left behind. And what they're going to be left behind to endure is something that we learn from the word of the Lord is a period called the Great Tribulation. It's a seven-year period of unimaginable suffering and destruction. On that day, on that day, Hollywood's fascination with violence and destruction, war, desolation, world domination will finally be realized every every apocalyptic film 10x will be brought to fruition in that season of time and you know there's a there's a there's a pushback among many people they'd say pastor nobody wants to hear the message that you're preaching today Nobody, I want to tell you this, nobody may not want to hear the message I'm preaching today, but a lot of people will go pay 25 bucks a head to watch the movie. Because this world is, is almost has, it seems to have an insatiable thirst and, and inquiry into these type things. But I want, I want you to realize also with that that those who spew hatred for, a Christian, for, the, for the Christian witness will finally have their wish fulfilled for a world void of it. In Revelation chapter 6, we begin to read this, and I, I just focus, there's, there's far too many scriptures for us to cover this morning. I won't endeavor to, to go through all of them, but I do want to read this chapter here for you because it's going to give us a little thumbnail sketch of what could be expected during the great tribulation period as we see the lamb of god opening the seals of judgment and god's wrath being poured out on this earth because of sinfulness that has abound here all these years 
Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. These are the seven seals of God's judgment. And then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider had a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out uh, as a conqueror bent on conquest. And when the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And then another horse came out, fiery, a fiery red one, and it was given power to take peace from the earth. I, I want you just to understand for just a moment here that in the, in the, as they say, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as those judgments are being unleashed on the earth, those that remain, I want you to understand that in, in contrast to what we're going to see unfolding then, if you can think about all of the violence and all of the things that you see in our society today, if you can understand that this now is a season of peace. I, I just want to let that sink in on you for just a minute here. That, that the word is making a comparison for us that one day there'll be a rider that's unleashed on this earth and he will be given the power to remove peace. He can take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. Wow. I mean, just wow. When's the last time you've turned on a news report without a report of a homicide? And we're living in the season of peace. But the day is coming when that when that is going to be lifted and the word here says that 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 the peace will be taken away and people will kill each other and to him was given a large sword revelation 6 5 when the lamb opened the third seal i heard the third living creature say come and i looked and there there before me was a black horse and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands and then i heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and don't damage the oil and the wine why because of its rarity You think that a few hikes of percentage point in interest rates in our day matters really in the grand scheme of things? You wait until the Antichrist system has been unrolled in this earth and, and we begin to see things transpire. We don't get to see things, but this earth begins to realize those things transpiring and coming to pass. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be, you know, I, I spoke about this a little bit uh, with my cup about illustration about the cup and how they could control how many refills you get per visit. But if you think about it right now, you can almost see in this the, the shaping up as it were in the days of Joseph almost where the government had gathered all into the storehouse. And the people had to come and they had to surrender their lands. They had to surrender their homes. They had to surrender their livestock. Why? Because a government big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take from you everything you have. And, and, and in that you see that you can see it really easily beginning to take shape. How is it that we control the food system in an entire world? How is it that we have this global, here it is, it's right here, it's all taking shape 
all of the pieces and the platforms are being laid right now. Right now. It's all going into place. Where was I? And when the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the living creature say, Come. And I looked before me and was a pale horse, and its rider was named Death. And Hades was following close behind him, and they were given the power of a fourth of the earth, one quarter of the global population. They were given power to be killed by the sword, by famine and by plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Because understand this, the word says there will be those who come to faith after the rapture of the church during the tribulation. But there's going to be great martyrdom in this world. You will not sit on a cushy, comfortable church pew and complain about the temperature or the way the sound system is in that day. You will seal your fate with the acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No, no more comfortable Christianity. No more cultural Christianity. As a matter of fact, it will be so diverse from the culture of that time. They called out with a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of, the, of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. And I watched as he opened the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair and the whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs dropped from the fig tree when shaken by a strong wind and then the heavens rescinded like a scroll being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Listen to this. Lean in real close. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they called out to the mountains, and the rocks fall on us. Fall on us and hide, our, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Just get us out of here. I'm reminded of this in the, in the story that, that we've been recounting and visiting on, along this message today, how Jesus told that, that story about the rich man and Lazarus. He said that the, 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 rich, the Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom and there he was in paradise and he was enjoying, you know, just the comfort and the ease and the peace of that situation. But it says of the rich man that was there in the torments of hell that he lifted his eyes and saw him afar off and said, Father Abraham, would you please send Lazarus back to my father's house because I have brothers there who are just like me. Would you please, because I don't want anybody I know to come to where I'm at. Would you please send a witness? Would you please sound an alarm? Would you help, Lord? Would you do something? They can't come here. 
pursuant to all these things. And I know this is, a, again, this is a thumbnail sketch of end-time prophecy and the book of Revelation and all those things. But uh, the, the next thing after the tribulation, you know, we get through the millennial reign of Christ and those things, and then there's the great white throne judgment. And I believe there's a sense, a mistaken sense and an understanding among many that it's only the sainted dead who are going to be resurrected. That's all we ever talk about. That's all we rejoice in, and rightly so, because what we're about to read next is nothing for rejoicing. It's not anything to be hopeful when we think about. Last week, we focused on Paul's writing to the church about the resurrection of the sainted dead. This, this week, I want to point your attention to the verse in the closing of John's vision in the book of Revelation, and let's see if this sounds similar, but far more ominous of an event. The tribulation is over. The millennial reign of Christ is concluded. Satan has been cast into the lake of fire, never to inspire evil again for all of eternity. And now we read the following. Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, John says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The heavens and the earth fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead. Remember this. All the saints have been resurrected. They, they've been with Jesus. They've enjoyed the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're, they're, they're in the presence of the Lord, rejoicing. But John says then, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If you've ever heard anybody take you down the Romans road and say that the wages of sin is death, this is the death they were talking about. Not the death of the physical body, but the second death, which is an eternity spent outside the presence of God in a place of torment. And the Word says these most grievous makes this most grievous statement here in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. And it says this, And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Can I submit to you today that one of the most gracious things that God ever did for humanity was after the fall of Adam and Eve when he restricted and denied Adam's access to the tree of life. Because what you've got to understand is that having moved in disobedience to the will and the word of God, Adam then opened the door to the curse of sin. The destructive, deteriorating curse of sin that causes us to grow old, to deteriorate, for time to ravage bodies. And you understand that if, if allowed the access to the tree of life, then Adam would have been given the, the right to have just lived continually in a perpetual state of dying. 
A body ever worsening by the effects of sin, yet unable, incapable of dying because he was eating from the tree of life. Does that, does that make sense? So, so we, we, we see this transition. So God in his graciousness said, you know what? The, maybe, maybe three score and ten, somewhere along in there, but we're going to cut it off. We can't just, I can't in my graciousness allow this to continue in perpetuity. So I'm cutting him off here from the tree of life. Otherwise, Adam, after coming under the curse of sin, would have put his hand forth and taken from the tree of life and lived in a perpetual state of decay and deterioration. And this is exactly what we're seeing unfold here at the great white throne judgment. What happened, what these people suffered in dying the natural death pales in comparison to the way that they're going to suffer having been resurrected to a body that is still bound under the curse of sin and made to live in eternity in a place of torment, in a place of destruction, utter darkness where there's weeping and the gnashing of teeth and living in a constant state of death and decay. For all of eternity. Can I just tell you this church? There are no parties in hell. All of your friends may be there. But they're not there for the party. You won't know that they're there because it will be utter darkness. You won't think for one second about having fun hanging out with your friends. The thing that will replay over and over and over and over for all of eternity is every opportunity that was ever given you to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life and to spend eternity, you will live forever with what if. What if. And the torment of the wrong decision made. I want to return to Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter, and we've touched on it several times, but I want to read you here. Lazarus has died, the rich man has died. They each are in their respective places according to the way they lived their lives, the way they sought the Lord. And verse 23 it says, In Hades there, was, there he was in torment, speaking of the rich man, and he says he looked up and he saw Abraham afar, off, afar away and Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because of, I am in the agony of this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your goods, your good things, while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm that has been set in place 
so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us and he answered and said then I beg you father send Lazarus to my family for I have five brothers let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment and Abraham replied they have Moses and they have the prophets let them listen to them no father Abraham he said but if someone from the dead goes to them they will repent and he said to them if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead it's not a question of if It's not a question of if we're going to be judged. The question is, when and how? And today is the how I want to cover. See, when I'm judged, I want to be judged, covered in a righteousness that only Christ can give. Covered in the blood of Jesus justified made righteous in the sight of God because centuries ago a man named Jesus in the loneliness of garden solitude cried out to his heavenly father said Lord if there's any way let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done and willfully he made his way through the trials through the beatings through the scourging and finally the crucifixion and the words that he found to say hanging there unjustly penalized and suffering for my sake to those that beat him to those that had mocked him and scourged him he just simply prayed father forgive them I'm so thankful that one day prompted by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that I was able to come with boldness and stand before the throne of God and say, Father, would you accept me? I've been a stranger and I've been a foreigner. But would you receive me into your family? Would you accept me into your household? And there again, I believe that Jesus looked down and said, Father, forgive me. It's all paid for. How? Covered in the blood of Jesus covered by the righteousness that he gives confident 
that I'm not standing on my own merit, but I'm sheltered safe in the loving arms of Christ. Amen. Would you stand all over this great congregation this morning? Those of you that are watching online, worshiping with us, would you just bow your hearts in this moment? I don't propose to know where any of you are spiritually. I believe there are many among us who bear amazing fruits of righteousness in your lives. And the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit is clear and transparent. We see that. But if you're here today, I want you to understand that quite frankly, or you're watching online today, I want you to understand quite frankly that there may be somebody who has preceded you in death, whose heart and life wasn't right with Jesus, who faced judgment outside the covering of the grace of God, who is in a place of torment right now, who has said, Father, would you send a messenger to my household? And I'm here today as said messenger to say to you, you don't have to face eternity with fear because the perfect love of Christ casts out all fear as we rest in him and we cry and we pray even so come Lord Jesus every head bowed every eyes closed no one's looking around this morning in the sanctity of this moment I just want to ask you today are you ready to stand before the Lord in judgment you're going to are you ready to that is the primary question and if you're not today and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me, would you just by upraised hand right now just signify and say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but today, Pastor Lisa and I would love to pray with you and we'd love to, you know, just, just lead you in prayer today and hopefully you can leave this place assured of your position in eternity in Christ Jesus. Those of you that are watching online, maybe you want to, maybe you want to drop a message. We'll have some of our pastoral team reach out to you. We would love to we would love to help you find the next step in your faith. But if you're here today, any, anywhere across this great sanctuary, you just slip a hand up right now and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we do this? Let's pray really quickly for those that are watching with us online. I know there are some out there that the Lord's dealing with this morning. Father, we love you today and we thank you for our online campus. We thank you for all those that are tuning in today who have heard this word, who are challenged by this word. God, and maybe whose hearts are not prepared in this moment to face judgment. And we all know that we're not promised tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. So Lord, we look to you right now for the fullness, the fullness of your grace, the fullness of your mercy. We confess that we're sinners. We ask you, Lord, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, break every chain, every bondage that so has bound our lives for so long and set us free in Christ Jesus. We receive you as our Savior and we receive you as our Lord. We commit and we purpose to live for you the rest of our lives. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd give us the strength to stand in the evil day, in Jesus' name, amen.